Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. Now, the charity Marie Curie reports that every five minutes someone in the UK dies without the care and support that they need. The charity, which we've all heard of, but many have not had to use, is working to provide support on all aspects of dying, death and bereavement. And to discuss this and other aspects of the charity is Peter Sara, who's the Marie Curie Senior Community Fundraiser for the West Midlands, who joins me on the line from his home now. Good evening, Peter. Good evening. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Peter. And thank you very much for uh, joining me this evening. Now, I have had to use uh, Marie Curie firsthand when my mum came towards the end of her life. Uh, And I have to say the work that they did was invaluable. But for anybody who's unfamiliar with Marie Curie, um, talk to me about the organisation and the kind of work that you do. So Marie Curie is the UK's leading end-of-life care charity. We support people at the end of their life and their loved ones. We provide care and support to more than 66,000 people affected by death, dying and bereavement. Gosh, so there's some staggering figures there. I mean, how, how do you exactly support people? Because you support the individuals, but again, you extend that to their families, don't you? Absolutely. It's really important that we look after the individual, but also the family as well. And Marie Curie provides nursing care for both um, people in their homes, but also we have nine hospices across the UK, including our hospice in Solihull in the West Midlands. Um, the charity provides bereavement support to those who whose loved ones have recently died or at the end of their life. Um, But additionally, we have an information support line which provides a listening ear and practical support for anyone affected by death, dying or bereavement. Now, you mentioned the hospice in Solihull. That's where my mum was, but she was in the old one, which was known as Warren Pearl. Um, But I mean, you, Marie Curie, tell me about the charity's namesake and why you chose her name uh, as the name of the organisation. Well, Marie Curie is 75 years old this year, so actually the same as the NHS. And it's not a coincidence. You know, we were very much established on the same the same year for, for the same reason. And that is that the NHS is a brilliant service, but will always need that extra, extra help and extra support. And Marie Curie has been there from day one to provide that third sector support. Um, we people may know people may not um we are named after marie curie um the scientist who is um the only only female scientist to have won a nobel prize twice um and the charity's original links are to the marie curie hospital which specialized in women who had cancer Um, And following it being hit by an air raid in 1944, five members of that that team um, chose to take the Marie Curie name and establish the charity's medical field uh, into into the charitable medical field. um, And this is where the charity started from. Now, of course, a lot of organisations, you know, like Marie Curie, for example, don't get 
much, if any, help from the government. Um, so how are you funded as an organisation? Well, well, the long and short of it is we, we rely massively on people in the black country and people in the UK's generous donations. And I, I always, whenever I like to talk on the radio, whenever I talk to, to anybody, I, I always like to say we couldn't do what we do without the support of your listeners and the, the public as a whole. Um, we are funded mostly through charitable donations from from those supporters, but also we do receive a little bit of funding from the NHS um, and local authorities um, to help with the running of the hospice and our nursing services. Um, so that works out to roughly about 30% comes from outside of our charitable donations. So that's just a little over a quarter then, isn't it? Which is nothing really. Yeah, absolutely. And it just it just shows that if we didn't have the support of the public and, you know, the public every year for 75 years, we would not have been able to provide services to people in the black country and people across the UK. I mean, how is the downturn in the economy at the moment affecting how the organisation operates? Well, it, it, it's very interesting, actually. So during, um, there's two things that have affected us over the last couple of years, uh, which have affected a lot of people. And that is obviously the cost of living crisis, but it is also COVID. Now, COVID is a, for, for a lot of people, was a end of life um, terminal illness. Um, and so we were there, again, supporting people in their own homes, in our hospices, um, and on our support line, um, and what that has meant is that during 2020, um, so COVID year, um, we had a increase, um, almost a double, um, a 100% increase in our services that we needed, but a reduction in the income that we were bringing in for obvious reasons with London Marathon not going ahead, Birmingham Great Run not going ahead. Um, and across the spectrum, you know, people not even able to do bake sales or sports days or anything that they were hoping to do. Um, but I would say that the amazing thing is, is that we were still able to raise money. We are still able to raise £10 million in that COVID year. And that was solely because our supporters found ways to fundraise for us. One of which being, we had a lady who was supposed to be climbing Kilimanjaro, sponsored walk, sponsored sponsored trek, should I say. <laughs> um, and she obviously couldn't, wasn't allowed to travel. And so did the whole trek but went up and down her flight of stairs at home and raised wow. more than she was going to if she'd gone to the actual um, the mountain itself. So how long did it take her to do that, do you know? It took her a long time. I think there's a good <laughs> reason that, that we were locked down for quite a long time. I think it took her quite a while. And probably um, took a toll but, on the stair carpet too. Absolutely, you know, and but but it's that ingenious way that people found to fundraise. You know, I, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a lot of people who were supposed to be doing the London Marathon and weren't allowed to leave. I think it was a mile or a couple of miles away from their house. So just did circuits and loops around their local local town, still doing the London Marathon on the London Marathon date. Um, and I think it just shows that we have amazing supporters, but also the uk public will always support people and are always there to to be the support and help that we need um when we need it now you provide a whole spectrum of support for people uh, and i guess that's 
provided within a hospice environment, but also for people at home. So talk me through that, how it works in a hospice, because people go to hospices uh, for end of life or they may go for respite care or something like that. Um, and again, some people prefer to stay at home. And again, you support them in that environment. So how, how do th- does that work? Well, one thing I would say about our hospices is um, I actually work in our hospice um, most of the time and it it doesn't feel like a hospice, if that makes sense. It feels like a... It's true a, you say that. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably as a, as a family member have seen it from the other side mm. and it I just feels, I always think it feels like a hotel a little bit. You know, it's that you walk in, it's not quiet, it's not sombre. It's, and also a lot of people will leave a hospice to go home to still die so you it's about making sure that everybody knows that when they come into a hospice that that sometimes may mean that that is where they they do die Mm. but actually in many cases they're actually then go home and die at home or die in hospital um we are there to to help and provide that medical care um when it's needed really I tell you, I mean, again, I can speak from first hand because uh, when my mum, you know, was really approaching the very last days of her life, um, the hospice Warren Pearl in Solihull rung me up one evening and it was the conversation that you dread and, and, you know, and they say you really ought to be here. Um, So I did. And uh, when I got there, there was... um, a bone china tea service. Uh, so there was there was cup, there was a teacup and a pot with freshly made tea, and biscuits beyond the dreams of avarice. Because I sort of sat with her for several hours, um, and that I never forgot that it was just somebody thinking outside the square a little bit and think, you know, this guy's come on a traumatic journey uh, for you know for what he for something that he may not know how long this is going to go on for and just the little touches like that it was only you know a, a simple thing but it made such a difference it really did and of course it was very late at night because i think i had to get there at about midnight and and i think you know i i'm really really pleased that you had a, a brilliant kind of experience and i think that the, the important thing with Marie Curie is that we always say the words, you are living with a terminal illness. And the reason that we say living is that you you are living. You know, you, you, you die at the end. And I think it is very important, however many hours, months, years you have when you have a terminal diagnosis, Marie Curie is there to help make sure that you can live it to, to your best life. Um, and... You, you mentioned about kind of those those small gestures, but they obviously didn't feel like small gestures. Um, we have we have it throughout. You know, we have had weddings in our hospice when people have just said, "Well, you know what? I I don't I don't want to die not not being married to the woman that I love." Mm. Um, and also, we have people who come in. We have volunteers who come in and play chess with our some of our um, patients, and that's because that's what they've always done. They've loved playing chess when they were younger, um, and we want to make sure that they that they're happy and they 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 have the experience that they should. Um, I'm just going to mention one thing about our CEO. I always find it a very odd thing when I talk about CEOs because they're normally not the most interesting things. But, um, <laughs> you said if that, I'm not perfectly me. honest. <laughs> no. But um, our CEO, um, when he um, started, he took over uh, about three or four years ago now. Um, he did a talk in front of all of us and he said something that stuck with me. Um, he's an ex-vicar. He's an ex 
um, and he said that your life is like a a book. If you were an author, you would spend a long time writing that first chapter. Um, I've recently had a, a, a son and my wife spent a long time planning her birth, her how what she wanted it to be, how she even the song she wanted or anything like that. You know, the, people have these plans that they sit down and they tell all their friends and everybody knows what, what the plan is. There is no reason why that last chapter of your life is also not as important as that first chapter. And there would be a lot, you know, if you if your mother did not have the experience that she did, it would be something that you would remember. And it's the same way that you would remember the way that you your son, daughter is born. You also remember how your loved ones die. And I think it's really important that we provide that care and that support to people at the end of their life and, and their families. I mean, I, I went back to the hospice several times after my mum had died because I had bereavement counselling because, uh, you know, it affected me more than I than I thought it would. And of course, so that, that care for me then continued on. Um, and uh, I always used to just make a donation in reception each time I went because it was provided free. Of course, it you know it's part of the ethos um, of what the organisation does. And I thought, well, you know, I can make a donation each time I come in uh, just by putting some money in the uh, in the box, uh, the yellow daffodil box that was uh, on the desk in reception. And of course. The Great Daffodil Appeal is uh, what we're going to come on to now, and it's something that Marie Curie does every year, and I find uh, people selling daffodils in the foyer of my local supermarket where I live. But why did you choose the daffodil to be that that iconic symbol? So it's interesting. When I started seven years ago, I... Um I thought the same thing. I thought a daffodil. It seems. It seems. You know, what? What's the link between that and and um, Marie Curie? Now, somebody said something to me once, and actually, the weather at the moment is perfect example. That a daffodil is strong. It's hardy. Even if there's snow outside on the ground, the daffodil will find its way through. And it's obviously a sign of hope and and spring and and a lot of people see it as a joyful thing and i think all of those things are the same with marie curie and the same with end of life the end of life care that we we are there to provide the light in the darkest hour for people's lives and the daffodil provides that as well and it you know it it is a dark time not only for the individual that's living with the cancer but also for their relatives and of course you tend to have sleepless nights and it's all they always say it's always darkest before the dawn but but the the symbol of that that daffodil then gives you that little bit of hope really i suppose if that's the right word to use it is absolutely um i think we we are there we are there to help we are yellow we are not you know we're not we're not a dark color we're not a brown or a black or a you know because death is not is not and should not be something that we skirt away from talking about you know a lot of people if you ask them well actually four out of five people if you ask them what where they would like to die they would say i'd like to die in my own home 
now have four out of five people told their loved ones and told their family members that that's what they want. And I think it's really important that when Marie Curie thinks it's really important that we talk about it, death is not something that we shouldn't talk about. We should talk about death because it's important the way that we die. Like you said, you know, you had bereavement support and I think it's the way that people have bereavement support is to make sure that they they come to terms with what has happened because it is a big moment in people's lives. It is, and as you say, it's all about talking um, and, uh, you know, communicating and getting the right help and, and support as well. Um, how long does the daffodil, uh, daffodil appeal last for, Peter? So um, it pretty much is is March the you know the month of March, mm. but um, it does it does overlap a little bit into April, um, obviously with with um, depending on where we where we're collecting and when it is. But our main our main appeal is is throughout March. And how do we go about getting one of these daffodils then to show our support? So the way to get them is, is like you said, your local supermarkets. Um, we were in Morrison's, um, every Morrison's in the UK last week uh, for, for the whole week. Um, but actually, if you're in Wolverhampton tomorrow, we are collecting across Wolverhampton City Centre tomorrow. So um, even if you even if you can't donate, um, please pop over and say hello. Because um, I always think the they're all, everybody standing there is volunteers. They're giving up two hours of their time. So if you can pop over and just say hello and say, thank you or you know we'd love to also hear stories as well you know we if you if you've had a Marie Curie um, nurse in the past or you you know of people who have um, it, it always it, we always love to hear about the um, how our nurses and our information support line staff have helped people so and as you say I mean we, we know that times are hard for everybody but even if you were donating 10 pence or 50 pence if everybody did that um, you know, that would help tremendously. Obviously more helps, and clearly, but not everybody no, can. We understand it, that. It, it does. It does. And and I think, you know, a cost of living crisis, you know, it's, it's hard on charities. You know, it's it's hard on every sector. Um, one thing I would say is is exactly that, is that if you, if you have anything that you can donate, that is amazing. Um, but I would also say if you, if you can't donate, which we absolutely understand, what you could do is give two hours of your time. And if you gave two hours of your time to stand on in Wolverhampton City Centre or in your local Morrisons or Tesco's or Garden Centre, on average, we raise around £70 in a two-hour slot. So if you wanted to help but financially couldn't, then you can always sign up. Um, I'll give you the web address now while I remember because I often forget. Um, it's www.collect.com dot mariecurie.org.uk and you can sign up um you just type in your postcode it comes up with all the local collections that we have to you and you can um sign up to do a two-hour collection if you can't do two hours if you can only do an hour or if you'd love to do more um i'll give my name my number and email address at the end and we can always accommodate we are always there to make it easier for you to fundraise as possible now, for people who may identify that they need your support in some way or another, does everybody automatically qualify for this? And if so, how do they access it? So perhaps somebody's living with a type of cancer or uh, a, a relative listening may have a concern and feel that Marie Curie can help. How do they go about accessing that help? So 
Marie Curie is a end-of-life terminal illness charity and what that means is that any terminal illness, so that is not just cancer, that is Parkinson's, COPD, dementia, any terminal illness, Marie Curie can provide care and support. Now, we we work with the NHS um, and we have from day one and so you will the way to get a Marie Curie nurse is to talk to your um, GP or your healthcare professional um, but the important thing is is our information support line um, which is a free phone number is um, free to anybody in the UK and you do not have to be a Marie Curie patient to use the service. Um, I'll give you that number now as well. Please. That's 0800, so 0800-090-2309. And we're open Monday to Friday, nine till five, um, and also on Saturdays. But actually, as as this Sunday is Mother's Day, it, it makes me makes me think that I need to also mention this that we are open Monday to Saturday but on important days like Mother's Day we are open too and that is for a mixture of reasons it can be because you're currently caring for a loved one who has a terminal illness and you may be struggling you may be a mother yourself and you're struggling to talk to your loved ones about what's going to happen um or you may be bereaved and, you know, Mother's Day can be really hard. It can be hard seeing, you know, hard people spending time with it. I, it. I can completely imagine it's, especially if it's something that you may, every Mother's Day, wherever you were in the UK, you may have come home to your mum or, you know, may have met up with her or had a phone call with her. It, it can be really hard and we are there to care and support where we can so please you know please do give us a call if you need it it's 08000902309 and how can we find out more about Marie Curie Peter um our website is probably the best way um which is mariecurie.org.uk um but also we have information um in our hospices we have uh, booklets that you you can order as well um so if you ever if you ever are looking to fundraise or volunteer or any or in any way support or just want to find out some more information, um, I'll give you my details as well. Just, um, you know, I am always on the end of the phone. Um, my number is 07754 747 979. Um, and I know that it can sometimes be easier to email than call. So um, my email address is P-E-T-E-R, so Peter, dot S-A-R-A at mariecurie.org.uk Lovely, I've got all that. I'll give all that a mention in a second. Uh, in the meantime, Peter Sara, community fundraiser for the West Midlands from Marie Curie, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Clive. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 7pm. If you love our podcast, then please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by Clive Payne, produced by Andy Caddick.